Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today we will take a closer look at Psalm 23, especially the last verse of it. We will see what the focus of this psalm is and what promise this psalm includes. And from verse 6 we will learn more about God's goodness and mercy and why we don't need to fear the future but better remember God's goodness. And we will see that this passage is relevant not only today, but for all eternity, and that God's glory is far beyond anything we can imagine. But now, let's dig into God's Word. So, good morning. Now, I wish I would have a translator, because it usually gives me time to check my notes. <laughs> Even though my German is not that bad. <laughs> but, uh, well, we'll see. This is a first for me as well. And as David mentioned already, I will preach about uh, Psalm 23 today. And yeah, I was looking for a topic to preach about this morning, and I had some thoughts in my head. I usually have some thoughts in my head, but concerning the topic, of course. And it's a little hard choice to make when you have free choice to select what you want. And I, I know that one of my favorite things to, to talk about is, uh, is the love of God that is so great uh, and the love that he has for us, that it should also be displayed in us as Christians as we are filled by this love. And we covered uh, a lot of that when I preached the series about the fruit of the Spirit, if you remember that one, where we saw that love is really the essential thing um, in order to be able to live lives that are not superficial, but that are grounded in God's Spirit and reflect God's Spirit, showing his character. Um, for example, by the way, we're willing to forgive others. Um, and, yeah, not to put ourselves in the center, but to good God and others before us. But don't worry, I will not go back to everything we covered back then. Um, as we have experienced the death of Wumi more than a week ago, and we had the funeral yesterday, a lot of us probably still struggle with this loss and seeing God's wisdom in this. In what way can we see God's presence and goodness in all this? Originally, I wanted to speak about mercy today. But because of the latest events, Gunther preached about experiencing God in our grief last week. And also during a worship time, we sang the words from Psalm 23, where it talks about our difficult times, the valleys we go through, but also how God is with us in all these times, still covering us with his goodness and mercy. So I didn't focus on mercy only, but on this, on this passage. So uh, we will concentrate mostly on the last verse of Psalm 23 today. And I guess most of you know Psalm 23, probably some of you even by heart, uh, as this is one of the probably best-known Bible passages. And looking back in my life, I have met many Christians who said that this was their favorite Bible passage. Uh, one of them was my, my grandmother. And... Well, she made it through a hard time in World War II, where she was a Christian already at the time. Um, and later she struggled in her older years with health issues. She had lost her husband already. She had lost one of her children already. But she found comfort in these verses. And she would always emphasize um, these thoughts that are expressed in Psalm 23 and the assurance that God was with her in all these times. So why is this chapter of the Bible such an interesting um, passage to many of us? Why does it give us comfort? Well, I think because it shows us a lot about the goodness of God. 
if you look for explanations on this psalm, some commentaries and Bible scholars say that Psalm 23 is an explanation, uh, is a, a psalm of David's confidence and David's faith. But others, including myself, don't think that this is the right view. Uh, it's not about David, and it's not about David being a shepherd or about sheep, but it's about the goodness of God. Actually, it's, it's all about God in this, in these verses. A lot of times we talk and preach about being committed to Jesus, being committed to God. But this psalm actually turns it upside down. This psalm does not talk about our commitment to God, but it's about God's commitment to us. And here we see several things that God does for us. And there are metaphors where God says, I will do for you these things because I'm a good God and I love you. And these are the things that I'm committed to do for you. So I want to read the whole psalm together with you now. And let's highlight the things that talk about God. Because this is a psalm not about you, but about God and what he does for you. And if you follow the notes also, it's in the Bible app. You can check it back there. But Psalm 23, don't worry, it's a short psalm. It's just six verses. But let's emphasize where it talks about the Lord. And um, yeah, in my Sunday school time, we usually read the verse all together. I would like to do that together with you. And when it comes to something that talks about the Lord or Him or where it addresses God as you, let's really speak that out loud. Okay, so let's start that one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, good. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Um, but it's not only fun, but it's good to be reminded together as a body of God, what God really is. And I just want to highlight here that this psalm begins and it ends with the Lord. Beginning with the Lord is my shepherd and ending that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And if you have been to Grace Church for a while, you probably know Klaus Potsch. Um, he has been preaching here at several locations. And I, if you know Klaus, he loves to speak about the Old Testament. And I remember he had a sermon, I think it was more than two years ago, um, where he gave us some insight in the structure of the text of mainly the Old but also the New Testament. And he, reeled, and, and he taught us something about chiasms, if you remember that one. If that word rings uh, a bell in you, then, then you were here that Sunday. Um, but the t- chiasms are certain repetitions in the text. And he told us, uh, explained to us that in order to understand the text, often at the beginning of a passage and at the end of the passage, it would use the same word there. Um, and whatever was inside this message was really the, the thing that was talking about, was really the center of the message, the important part. 
Um, so here we see that the Lord appearing at the beginning and the end is a kind of a title of this passage. And everything between talks about him and what he does because of his goodness. So as I mentioned before, today we will focus especially on the last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, which is a promise. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, which is also a promise. And it talks from the, uh, about the time from now until eternity. Have you ever worried about, worried about something because you didn't know the outcome? Because you didn't know what the future would bring? Well, I guess all of us have. I, I have and I still do, depending on the situations. So anytime that we worry, it's a good thing to remember these last verse, this last verse from Psalm 23. If you worry about anything in the future, we hear, see here several reasons why we don't need to fear the future if we're believers. Actually, in God's view, we never need to fear the future. Uh, first of all, I don't need to fear the future because we read here that God's goodness watches over me. And that counts for all the days of my life, 24-7. God's attention is always on us. Just think of it, there has never been a second in your life where God was not watching over you. God is always paying attention to you because he created you. And he loves you. And even though there are more than 7 billion people in this world, God is interested in you personally. If you know me well enough, you probably also might know that I have always been very interested in everything that has to do with space and our universe and physics and astronomy. And yeah, just um, to give a little perspective of God's greatness, I just want to tell you and also show you something uh, actually, uh, uh, about a picture, an astronomy picture that was taken by the Hubble Space Telescope in 1995. But before we fully understand this picture, I just want to give you a little, um, yeah, back to school lesson for those of us who are out of school for a while. And I, yeah, I see some of you are out of school for a few months already. Um, <laughs> well, time is relative. That's what Einstein said, you know. Okay, here we see the planets of our solar system. This little dot here is the Earth. I guess we all know that one. Um, and then we have the Sun, which is much larger than any of our planets. Um, and yeah, the Sun is a relatively ordinary star just here in the center of our solar system where all the other planets circle around. And actually, all the space probes that were sent out by, uh, by NASA or by the Russians or whoever... They have never really left our solar system yet. They just have reached the edge until now. But this is the only area that we have been, not even traveling, but we have been able to send something into. And yeah, this, this whole solar system is just a very tiny, small part of our galaxy, the Milky Way. Actually, we cannot take photographs of our Milky Way because as you have heard before, we have never traveled even farther than our solar system. But this is a galaxy believed to look very similar uh, to our galaxy. And yeah, well, our, our solar system would be somewhere in an area like this, a smaller dot than we can even display here on the, on the screen. Um, it's believed that our galaxy has about 400 billion stars, estimated, of course. <laughs> um, and a lot of them probably also have their, their planets. And if you want to travel from one side to the other, 
it would take 200,000 years, but only if you're as fast as light, which is a little hard to do. Um, and then there are many other known galaxies like this one. Uh, the closest one to us by the galaxy, this is an actual picture, and this is already 2.5 million light years away. And it has about the same size as our galaxy. And this is just the closest one. There are many more. So back to the picture I wanted to talk about. In 1995, scientists looked for an area where there was actually nothing to see. See here? There's nothing. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to highlight that one. Um, so they looked for an empty spot. And they took pictures of the area. There was basically no, no really star to see. And... Yeah, for, for more than 10 days, they took a picture with this, this telescope. And, well, the actual picture that they found when they finished was, whoops, let's see, was this one. The empty spot that you just saw before. And there we see hundreds of, not stars, but of galaxies. Our projector is not capable to even let you see this well enough. But there, there were about 3,000 galaxies that they saw on this, on this picture. And a place that they thought was empty. And it, the size of this is just a 24th millionth um, of our sky. So newer pictures even revealed similar data. This was even taken from an even smaller size uh, area than the one I was just showing you before. And they said there would be around 5,500 galaxies that they found on this picture. So even if these things sound so impossible and so great, I'm convinced that a God that created a universe with an uncountable number of stars and galaxies um, can care about the small number of small of 7 billion people. And he can do this at the same time. It's a, a God like this, I'm sure he can pay 100% attention to you while paying 100% attention to somebody else at the same time. He is God. So God is with us all the time, and he knows every detail of our lives. He's paying attention to you right now. And God even knows you better than you know yourself. God knows more details about you. Why? Because he's a good God, and his goodness is following us, us all the days of our lives. In Psalm 145.20, it says, The Lord watches over all who love him. God's goodness is watching over us, and it doesn't miss any details. And he does not only watch over us, but he also protects us. You're protected from so many things that you don't even know that they were a threat. And just as Gershon mentioned before, he was grateful for all the things that God protected him on his journey. But how does God watch over you? How does he protect you? Well, that itself would probably cover another series of, of sermons. But one way that he does it is, is through his angels. God uses angels to watch over you. And even if probably none of us has ever seen an angel, we can read about them in the Bible. And I know in our culture there are a lot of misconceptions about angels. Um, there's nothing in the Bible that when you die you will become an angel. Um, and, and some other things about angels that are taught that are not true. But they were created before us, and um, they're spiritual beings, and very seldomly they directly interact with us as humans. But they are important because they, they exist and they help us in our spiritual warfare. And as we read in Psalm 91, 11, 
For he, which is God, will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They're like invisible helpers. You don't even know how many times you've been helped by the goodness of God. So what does surely goodness and mercy will follow me always mean? It does not mean that only good things will happen to you all the time. Obviously, well, obviously you might have found out until now, this is not true. A lot of bad things happen. And also David, the person who wrote these words, had bad things happen to him. It does not mean only good things will happen to me, but that his goodness follows me. God will bring out good of everything that happens to me, even the bad things. We cannot control what happens in our lives, but we can control how we respond to it. And we can be sure that the Lord is our shepherd, that God will bring good out of it somehow. Anybody can bring good out of good, but only God is the master of bringing out good um, from bad. And that's the great promise we also read in eight, Romans eight twenty-eight. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say it is all good, but that it is working for good. If, and that's a promise, if we love God and follow him. All things do not work together for good for everybody. If you go your own way, the opposite direction of God, if you're not truly following and loving the Lord with your heart, all things are not working for good for you. This is a promise to those who really love God and follow him. To those God says, well, if you really want my will in your life, I will bring out good even out of the bad. Of course, when you go through a bad time, you usually don't see the good in that moment. When somebody dies, as we've just experienced, we don't immediately see how this can be something good. But we can count on God's wisdom, and we count on that God is at work, that his goodness follows you all the days of your life. Another reason that we don't need to fear the future is because God's grace and mercy is working in us, in me. While goodness is working around me and is watching out for me, His grace, His mercy is working in me. The Bible says, surely not just goodness, but also mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Mercy is grace in action. So when we say that God's grace is working in us, it's God's mercy that is grace in action. Isaiah 60, 10, the last part says, I will have mercy on you, through my grace. So let's explain this. When God says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, what's the difference between God's goodness and God's mercy? Actually, we, I saw a little hint in the song we sang before, um, not because of who I am, but because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, because, but because of who you are. That's explaining this part a little bit better also. So in the first place, Goodness is when God gives me what I don't deserve. That's his grace. I don't deserve all the blessings in my life. And you don't either. Did you deserve the air you're breathing? 
or that your heart just took another beat right now? Do you deserve that you live in a country where you're free, where you don't need to worry about starving, that there is no war? Most things in our lives are just simply gracious gifts, and everything you have in your life actually is a gift from God. So grace or goodness is... Uh, um, Goodness is when uh, he, he gives me what I don't deserve. So what's mercy then? Actually, it's the, the opposite. Mercy is when God does not give me what I do deserve. For all the ways that I have failed, that I have sinned, the mistakes I've made, my self-centeredness, all these things, I deserve punishment for that. If God would give me everything I deserve, I would not be able to stand right here before you. If God would give you what you deserve, you would be not be able to give you to take your next breath even. So goodness and mercy, receiving what I don't deserve and not receiving what I do deserve, both of these are going to follow me because God is a good God. I can expect both his provision and his pardon. His provision that he provides all things, uh, all kinds of good things in my life. And his pardon that he forgives all kinds of bad things in my life. And forgiveness, that's really the mercy part. So why do we need mercy? Well, because I've, uh, I've mentioned before, we all are imperfect. We all make mistakes. We all sin and we're all in a broken world and we don't always do the right thing. So we need forgiveness also all the time. I'm really glad that this verse says that um, God's goodness and mercy will follow me all my life and not God's justice will follow me all the life. God is a just God. We know that. But he does not follow you with his justice, but with his goodness and his mercy. He is a good God. Psalm 103 lists a lot of ways how God shows this mercy. And concentrate, we can even concentrate or even mark the verbs that speak of how God shows mercy to you in this passage. So this is what it says in the Living Bible Translation. Yes, I will bless the Lord and not forget the glorious thing He has done for me. He does for me. He forgives all my sins. Mercy. He heals me. Another way of mercy. He ransoms me from hell. He surrounds me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. He gives justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his will and nature to Moses and the people of Israel. He's merciful and tender towards those who don't deserve it. He's slow to get angry. And full of kindness and love. That's real mercy. He never bears a grudge nor remains angry forever. Aren't you glad for that one? Probably something that God still wants to get even with you for something that you have done in the past. But we read here that he does not bear grudge. He loves us and he forgives us when we ask for forgiveness. And that's why this passage continues with, He has not punished us as we deserve for all our sins. For his mercy towards those who fear and honor him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. And we see, have seen how great that has been. 
He has removed our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. He is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic to those who reverence him. Sorry, I didn't let you read the second part there. (laughs) Um, Because God's mercy is following you every day of your life, it means that you can come to God with any problem, any thought you have. With any screw-up, with any fault, with any failure, and any sin. And you can do this anytime, 24 hours a day. His grace is constantly following you. There's not a moment where he's not eager to show mercy to us. So we can come to him no matter what we're going through. And actually, this should help us take away our fear. Because we know we can always um, come to him. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, which is through prayer. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Sometimes we have sins in our lives that are habitual. Areas in our lives that we constantly, constantly struggle with. And that we stumble over and over. It might be losing our temper easily it might be pride it might be lust it might be gossip it might be addictions it might be bad attitudes a loose mouth and well you name it all you probably know your areas in your life that you struggle with and sometimes we feel guilty that we need to come back to god for the same thing over and over again but god never gets tired of forgiving our sins so we should not hold back seeking his forgiveness As his mercy follows us every day of our lives. It's God's nature to be merciful. As we heard before in the fruit of the spirit. It talked about a lot of God's character. About his nature. And also mercy is is a nature of God. Because he loves us. And he loves to show mercy. And we don't have to be embarrassed. As we have just read in this passage. About coming to him. And receiving his mercy when we need it. So his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. It is not only there on Sundays, but all days. He's always good and he's always merciful. When we fully understand that God is never not good to us, that he's never not merciful to me, then our fear level will go down. You don't know what will happen next week or even... Even next hour, exactly. But you know that God's goodness and mercy will be with you. That's something you can rely on. So what should we worry about? You might not always feel God's goodness in your life. You might not always feel God's mercy. But there was nothing about feelings in here. Feelings are unreliable and come and go, but God is not a feeling. God is always good to us, whether we feel it or not. And God is always merciful to you, whether you feel it or not. It is based on who he is and not on how you feel. Absolutely everything in your life you owe to the goodness and mercy of God. And it's going to follow you all the days of your life if the Lord is your shepherd. And the last reason why we don't need to be afraid of our future is because God's glory is waiting for me. 
as we just read before, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is heaven. Actually, even the word and I will dwell makes sense here as it connects the today with the tomorrow. Even after you have lived the life of blessing here on earth, it's not the end. This psalm has a big ending, so it means that I don't need to fear death, which is usually one of the biggest fears that we as humans have. Death is not the end, but it's a transition as we go to heaven. God saves the best for last. If you love Jesus and the Lord is your shepherd, it gets better and better. And as Günther phrased it yesterday also at the woman's funeral, he said, the best is yet to come. Because even if we have a tough life here on earth, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There will be no suffering, no sorrow, no sin, no pain, no sickness, no problems, no sadness. So what makes heaven heaven? Well, one of the greatest thing, I believe, is it's the home of God's full glory. We only can see a very small glimpse of God's glory right now. For example, as we have mentioned before, when we look at the universe and all the, the great creation of, of God, it, that fills me with awe. It makes me excited to think of that. This is how I look when I'm excited, yeah? Um, if, if Hans Georg gets excited, it looks a little different. Um, but I, I will spare you that one. So it's so unbelievable, and yet it's such a small thing compared with God's glory. And if we look at the great things even here on earth that we see, the variety of, of geology, the plants, the animals, all the creation we can even just touch and feel here, we see a small glimpse of God's glory. And this is even here on a, on a broken planet. This is just a, a teaser when we get to heaven, we will really be seeing the full glory of God and the full goodness and greatness and the beauty of God. We don't see it all now. There are a lot of verses in the Bible that speak about God's glory. But only when we get to heaven will we really be able to fully understand and to grasp it. Right now, we don't even have the brain capacity not to understand distances in the universe and even less to understand God's glory. I talked with Edith about this yesterday and we were both amazed by how great God really is. It's like you're, you're trying to explain physics atomic, of the atomic energy or something to a, a toddler, to Liam. <laughs> or uh, trying to show the ant, the in, an ant the internet or something like that. The, the descriptions in the Bible about heaven, they're just metaphors. And thinking of the place that God prepare, prepares for us in heaven, I remember uh, Keith Green. I don't know if you know Keith Green. He was a, a Christian singer and a pianist and songwriter. And he died at a very young age due to a plane crash. But before he died, one of the songs he wrote, he titled, I Can't Wait to Get to Heaven. And he usually introduced this song by saying the following words. And he said, I look around the world and I see all the beauty that God made. I see the forest and the trees and all the things. And it says in the Bible that he made them in six days. And I don't know if they're literally six days or not. Scientists would say no. Some theologians would say yes. But I know that Jesus Christ has preparing a home for me and for some of you for 2,000 years. And if the world took six days and that home 2,000 years, 
Hey man, it's like living in a garbage can compared to what is going on up there. So God wants to give us the opportunity to see how loving and how good and how merciful he is. Romans 9.23 And he also wanted to reveal his abundant glory, which was poured out on us, who are the objects of his mercy. We are the objects of God's mercy. Those of us whom he has prepared to receive his glory. One day we're going to experience just that what he has prepared for us. Based on these principles that we have learned about God's goodness, mercy, and glory, what does that mean to us? It means, as we mentioned before, that we don't need to fear because God's goodness, mercy, and his glory are all involved in our future. If you get anxious about the future, how can we live fully and fearless? Well, one way is to stay grateful and generous because God is good to me. God is generous with me and he expects me to be the same with others. Psalm 118, 29. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Again, we have the connection of goodness and mercy. Continuous mercy deserves continuous thanks. That's an attitude we must develop in our lives. An attitude to be thankful Even in medical studies, you will find out that people who have gratitude live happier and healthier than those who are stressed out um, because they complain all the time. When you are fearful, it is hard to be grateful. When I'm fearful, I'm focused on myself. When I'm grateful, I'm focused on others. Hebrews 12, 28. Let us be thankful then because we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be grateful and worship God in a way that will please Him with reverence and awe. So worship is our result of gratefulness. Worship is not where we seek to receive something, but where we give praise out of gratitude. Not only when we sing, but with all the other uh, ways and expressions that we worship the Lord. Not to expect something, but to give something to him. Psalm 112, verses 5 to 9. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. The hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. The hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. The horn will be lifted high in honor. So this sums it all up there. A second thing. I have to be gracious to everyone because God is gracious to me. The more graceful we are towards others, the less fearful we are. The more we experience also God's grace. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate, which is also gracious and, and merciful, to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Is there anybody that you still refuse to forgive? As God is gracious to us, forgiving us, he, expect, he expects us to do the same. Graciousness is another expression of love. When we are gracious to others, we show real genuine Christian love. Actually, in 1 John 4, 18, it says, 
even that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Again, fear is focusing on ourselves, while love focuses on others. And they both don't go together well. So how do you know that somebody does not understand the grace of God? Well, usually they are not gracious to anybody else. Ungracious people are ungraced people. They don't realize how much they have been forgiven. If I'm aware of how much God has forgiven me, I can be pretty gentle and forgiving with others. So, and I, I pray that also here, if we, as a church has the name Grace Church, that we'll be able to show the grace for each other. Not looking at every detail, but being willing to to forgive each other, to live with each other, to show real love for each other. And the last thing to fight our fear is I need to live my life for God's glory because He will show His glory with me. Right now you live for the glory of God. Hopefully. <laughs> and one day you will live, will receive the glory of God forever and ever. He will share His glory, His great unbelievable glory with you in heaven. So how do we live for God's glory at work, at university, at our neighborhood, or even more important, in our families? Matthew 5.16 In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If we live for God, our good works will be the result. Don't mistake that our good works never bring us to God. They're not the way to God's presence, but they are the result out of the life that is filled with God. And then our lives will also be rich testimonies of God to others. And the last verse for today, Second Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. For our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. This power to live for him has been given to us through knowing Jesus. That's the knowledge that, that the verse is talking about here. And he has called us to share his goodness and his glory. When we look into the future, we don't get to choose what's going to happen the rest of our lives. But we choose how we respond. And based on Psalm 23, we can face the future with relying and responding to God's sure goodness, mercy, and glory. Knowing that God will bring good out of the bad somehow. I may screw up in the future, but God is merciful. That's what I can rely on. And you may face all kinds of problems in life. But you can win as we can be in the house of the Lord forever and share His glory. Because we deserve it? No. But because He loves us. And remember that all the expressions of God's goodness and mercy are not promised for everybody, but for those who love Him. Those who can say, the Lord is my shepherd. So the important question is, is who is your shepherd? Who is running your life? Are you your own shepherd? If yes, then goodness and mercy will not follow you all the time and you will not dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is for people who are sheep in God's flock, in His family. 
When you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, then you can also say, and I will dwell in his, love, in, in his house forever. Isn't that wonderful? So I pray that each one of us will be able to really express this, to believe this, to share this with whomever we, enc- we encounter. So let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for all the promises that we read in the Bible and especially now the promise of your goodness, your mercy and your glory that will follow us all the days of our life. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know all the areas where we bring you the glory that you deserve but also the areas where we struggle with. And we know and thank you that that you're a gracious God that is patient, that helps us to rebuild the relationship with you when, when we fail, Lord. A God that is seeking, uh, seeking the closeness with us as, as you love us, Lord. So we pray that we will be able to really see you as our shepherd, as our father who loves us, who cares for us. And that out of this attitude, we'll be able to Express your character, your love. Pray that your spirit will find open hearts in us so that we'll be expressing your love, your goodness, and your mercy that is beyond our own goodness and mercy that we can ever express, Lord. So may you take our lives, form them into something that you want, and encourage us in the times where we struggle, where we have difficulties with these verses, with your presence that we can rely on. So we worship you, we thank you, we praise you because of who you are. A great and almighty and unbelievable God. A father that is closer than our, than a briar. So we thank you, praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.